filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster So guys, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, it turns out going to Chicago in January, uh, dubious uh, idea at best. It is a mistake, is what it is. Um, It's a mistake that I'm going to make, though. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm going out there, uh, the United Soccer Convention, or the United Soccer Coaches Convention, which used to be the National Soccer Coaches Association of America Convention, so now um, they only let people who play f- who coach teams named United go. Uh, no, now now it's just if you can tell the difference uh, between USC the college and USC the convention, then you you can go. Um, Which USC the college though? But uh, what if they host it in either Charleston either. or? Well, uh, well, or why would you do that when you can go to sunny, warm Chicago in January? Uh, I mean, they they might host it in LA, in which case getting U- yeah, that, USC that's I think really next year. I think next year is LA. Um, okay. But yeah, you can go to Chicago and see DC United probably trade away their pick. Well, if you recall last year, I didn't actually ever, uh, I wasn't in the building to see that. I was eating breakfast at a coffee shop when that happened. Uh, I was maybe 15 minutes from going to the building when that happened. And then I was like, well, what am I going to do with my day? Uh, and it turned out uh, not a whole lot because my train back left at like 930 and the cost of moving it up was prohibitive. Uh, so I spent a lot of time not doing anything in Philadelphia last year. This year, did you get a um, cheesesteak? No, uh, I I don't need a cheesesteak. Uh, cheesesteak is an overrated uh, sandwich. There's no there's no appeal to me um, to getting a cheesesteak over getting something else. I got ramen. It was pretty good ramen um, because the Philly Convention Center is right near um, their Chinatown, and next to their Chinatown is a general sort of um, pan Asian town on the outer ridges of, I actually don't know if that's true. I don't know the geography of it. I just know I walked for a while and I was in Chinatown and then I was in another part of uh, Philadelphia that had more different Asian food. And so I was like, all right, it's time for something to eat. Um, Good ramen. Good ramen is always good. There is a place on the same block as my work and it is the first good ramen I've ever had. And I try to go there as often as possible because it it is so good. And I didn't know yeah. how good real ramen could be until I went to this place. Yeah, there's a place on H Street uh, Northeast that is that for me here in D.C. And good ramen is very good. Chicago has very good lots of food. Um, they also have really good garbage food in Chicago. It's one of the garbage food capitals Pizza. of the world. I, I mean, I, d- I don't mean food that is bad. I mean, food well, that should be I, bad, but is can wonderful. I stop you guys right now? I don't want to hear any discussion of, of Chicago pizza, good or bad. I think it's like the least interesting discussion in human history. That's um, why I wasn't going there. And I don't what want you guys to drag me all, Jason? I will leave this podcast <laughs> and this town forever. Uh, you'll never hear from me again if we have that discussion. I don't want to deal with it. Um and I'm prepared already to hear it in Chicago. I, I assume it like what a within hot dog is a sandwich. 
within five minutes of me stepping into Chicago, I'm going to hear someone complaining about the existence of a food they don't have to eat. Um, and it's going to make me wish uh, I were in the sea, uh, in this case, in the lake. I guess that's the nearest uh, convenient body of water to leap into if need be. Um, Did you hear about the cube so, theory of uh, food? What? Did you hear about the yeah, cube what? theory of food? Uh, we are the no. board. You will be assimilated. It's, I, a, it's, I, a, it's a theory that uh, encompasses, it, 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 it refutes the uh, a hot dog is a sandwich because no, I don't want to. I don't want to talk no. about this either. Yeah, no, okay. I'm shutting I, this down right now. That, that's um, another podcast. There's already a whole podcast network dedicated to that question. Uh, but yeah, I was going to say um, a hot dog is a should, taco is what it comes out to be. Prolonged awkward silence with you, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to call I, it. Uh, I think Jason and I are going to defect. Um, <laughs> Well, <laughs> I don't know who's going to edit and post the podcast from now on, but nobody. Um, we'll never. No one's nice working with you, Ben. <laughs> um, Chicago's got Italian beef. They've got. Why are we still talking about food? Because food is good, man. Yeah, but you shut me down. You weren't talking about food. You were talking about cubes. You were talking about theories, not food. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is filibuster the food theory and black and red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. I'm back. Uh, I survived a trip to visit family in the ancestral homelands of the Midwest. Uh, joined as always by Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson, at least for now, we're all from black and red where we cover DC United. And there's uh, there's plenty to talk about tonight. Uh, we're going to be focusing on three DC United related things in the, the first segment. Uh, there's a new media rights deal. You notice I didn't say TV rights deal, new media rights deal uh, to talk about. We have the schedule for this year and Wayne Rooney may have gotten himself in a tiny little bit of trouble not last month. It's not. Yeah, it, it's fine. It's not a big deal. Um, I think it's something that if it happened to someone you knew, you would laugh about probably, but because it's Wayne Rooney, it was all over literally the global press. Um, and so we have to at least spend a little bit of time on it. In the second segment, we will have our good friend Travis Clark on to preview the MLS Super Draft and talk about DC United prospects. Before we do anything at all, though, Jason Anderson, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm trying something new. Um, it's tequila, which it shouldn't come as a major surprise to anybody. That's but not, that that that's not a lot. definition of new. Um, so this is what's called a Cantarito. Uh, it's uh, three parts tequila, uh, one part lime juice, one part lemon juice, one, bar, one part orange juice. Uh, you add that, add ice to that, and then you top the whole thing with uh, grapefruit soda. Um, I've got Q brand uh, because you can buy them in packs, whereas Haritos, as far as I can tell, you, can, you have to buy single bottles. Um, so I got the Q brand, and uh, I got to tell you, it's pretty good. Uh, it's a, you know... Is it's, that a fancy Ricky? It's not far from it. I mean, grapefruit soda has more sugar to it, uh, but, you know, it's not not a Ricky, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I am very much in favor of categorizing drinks, so I approve. Uh, I just have a um, what's left of a bottle of white wine. It is probably French. It's French. It says on the bottle, it's French. It's cheap white wine from France. And I just, now I'm just imagining a bottle of wine that just says it's French on. Yes. It. 
That's also what I was thinking. Maybe in big letters just says French with an exclamation point. Uh, It's not far off. There's also a rooster and a hen drawn on it. So just to make it extra French. Okay. Uh, and, And also I am eating a bourbon ball that my father made because that's what happens when you go visit family. You get treats and treats include bourbon balls. Wait, that what, are is, delicious. what is that? Bourbon is a liquid. So there, there's actually two kinds of bourbon balls. This kind oh, is essentially is a cookie. I'm explaining. This one is essentially a cookie um, where my dad makes a, a cookie type dough and mixes bourbon into it and rolls it into little balls and bakes it off. And you have cookies that have very strong bourbon flavor to them. Um, the other kind of bourbon ball is a candy made by a company called Rebecca Ruth in Frankfort, Kentucky. Um, and, and they're like kind of like those chocolate cherries, but instead of cherry, it's bourbon. Okay. Um, both kinds are wonderful and delicious. Um, but the, my, the kind I'm eating now is the kind my dad makes and I love it and it's wonderful. And Ben, what are you drinking? So I am drinking a beer from uh, the Virginia Beer Company, which is based in Williamsburg, Virginia, my my college town. Uh, they just started packaging their beers in cans and driving them up, driving them up to Richmond, and it is their Elbow Patches Porter. And I love a good porter. A, a lot of be- a lot of dark beers now are stouts, but I lo- I like the the I, I like a porter a little more and this one's a pretty good one it's uh coffee and chocolate and it's not terribly complex but it's just a good solid drinking porter okay it's a good time of year for porters uh they're they're underrated for sure and and once winter sets in you really you want that high gravity um stiff uh beer if you're gonna if you're gonna drink one it, it might as well ease the the suffering of winter i think yeah especially if it's going to snow this weekend which it might for all of us or might not who knows love the weather you know you're you're listening to a good podcast when they get to the weather and we do that a lot actually now that i think about it so you're just ripping on our podcast i feel like you're also not a podcast unless you um rip on yourself a little bit Adam, did you enjoy? Did you enjoy last week's references to goats? Uh, I I was hoping not to talk about it because I, <laughs> we talk I about listened traffic? to it. I listened to it literally in the car with my family. What, and were you I'm, stuck in traffic? No, uh. we were driving from one random place in the Lower Midwest, Ohio River Valley, to another place in that area uh, that were much further apart than they should be not because of traffic just because the distances when you get out there are much farther than they are here in the more compact eastern seaboard and uh so we just were driving through nothing and listening to this because the kids were asleep and i'm just like shaking my head and my wife is shaking her head at me shaking my head it was so you you inflicted us on your poor wife yeah, she's listened to the show before. I mean, she she married me. She knew what she was getting into. We listened to her podcast first and then listened to <laughs> this one. Do do they talk about goats as much as we do? Uh, no. 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 <laughs> they they didn't. Would, Not as much they, as you guys did. Would other, they other if we asked, and, and also Donald. Donald. 
this, this one's going straight out to Donald Wine the second. Uh, dude. <laughs> I thought we were I thought we were cool. I really did. <laughs> I, I thought thought we understood each other and and we didn't at all. I mean, he went to Duke, so uh, what, yeah. what what can you expect? Hey, DC United has a new media rights deal. Uh, as first, rep- it was first reported as a possibility by Pablo Maurer of The Athletic, our own Ben Bromley of this podcast and Black and Red United, pieced it all together and said, hey, it looks like this might be where the media rights are going. And today it is official. DC United's local games will be carried by Flow Sports. The deal includes English and Spanish language broadcasts uh or telecasts um extra content like behind the scenes and coaches shows and oh yeah it's a streaming company none of us had ever heard of two weeks ago that is true um i know the the initial reaction was definitely immediately negative which you know on one hand is always going to be the case uh unless you know if the deal had been you know every single local uh, over the air channel is going to show only DC United games. Then people might've been okay with it. But um, only if the team was getting paid for it. Right. So, so and as to a certain extent, there's almost no outcome that would have been widely uh, regarded as a positive. Um, I think it's, it's completely in bounds for people to say they don't want to pay further for things in a world where everything is being turned into something commodified it's hard to to get anything without it getting chipped away and partioned off and turned into a different pay service um on the other hand and this i I know i'm not the first person to say this um but what if this was the best offer on the table yeah yeah. Um, we don't know what what nbc sports or what uh sinclair who owns what was once news channel 8 and is now WJLA News twenty four seven or something like that, right? Um, I, I we think don't know what relieved. ESPN. We don't know. Yeah, we're, we're all relieved that Sinclair is no longer involved. I think we can say that. Yes, um, very much. I so. mean, my my, th- my guess is, and this is based on nothing, but I would not be surprised at all if uh, NBC Sports and Sinclair, since they both previously had DC United's uh, broadcast rights, it would not surprise me at all if, based on their previous relations with the team and how those power dynamics worked, that they decided to lowball the team and tried to get similar to the same terms that they had when they were the broadcast partners. So, I I don't totally agree with their choice of flow sports but i can understand where they were coming from especially if 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 the other options on the table were lowballing them or giving them uh not gonna broadcast all their games like csn used to do back in the day uh and csn is it, now nbc sports right. washington so yeah. it's 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 a fraught it's a fraught platform it's a fraught uh uh area it's it's there's not a dominant player. There's not a lot. There's not as many options as people think there are. There's not as many options as there are in other markets. So it's a weird, it's a weird market. And it's uh, flow sports is not a great, uh, is not a great deal for a lot of people, but it may be a better option just based on what was uh, on offer. Yeah. yeah and, we don't. And, oh, go ahead. 
there are there is a lot of speculation as to you know weighing this deal against imagined offers that none of us know exists. Um, you know, ESPN Plus could have been an option, or maybe was not an option at all. Um, Comcast, or, or when when NBC Sports uh, Washington was Comcast, they were very consistent in not offering to cover all of DC's games. Um, and we're talking like nine games getting left uncovered and then like, Oh, we'll fill in as the year goes on. And then it gets down that number down to seven, which is over 20% of the season. And um, that was like three or four years ago. That wasn't that long ago. Y'all No, And that was for a long time as well. Yeah. Um, and that was and for it's like, not like, it's not lot, like the yeah. local. Yeah. It's not like the local teams that they covered at that time have disappeared. Um, you know, the capitals are now more prominent than they've ever been. Um, so yeah, that treatment is probably not going to change because for them, it is just time filler content. Um, you know, the talent that was there was great, uh, but they're probably never going to get around to putting every single game on TV. Um, at least we have no evidence that that's something they would have ever done. So it's reasonable to suspect that their deal, their offer, if there was an offer, wasn't a good one. Um, yeah. Sinclair, Sinclair everyone was dissatisfied to, with Sinclair. Yeah. If you can get past the, the, the very large red flags associated with the company, yes. which I'm not going to get into here, but there are significant red flags about the company. Um, you have to look at the fact that they are not, they seem to indicate at the outset, they were going to put things on broadcast. And then this last year, I think there were no games on WJLA. That's correct. Um, so they, they pushed everything onto their cable channel, which most people who have cable or satellite yeah. TV in this area in don't DC, get an HD. Yeah. yeah. At least in DC don't get an HD. Right. It's not that news channel eight is not in HD. It is. And I have enough, Verizon ben and, I, ben and I both uh, living outside the city could get those games in HD. Yeah. And um, I could too, because I have Verizon Fios. And if you right. had, but if you were on a number of other cable providers yes. available here, you were, you were screwed. You, you got it in SD and not even a good SD. You got it in an SD that was yeah. basically just cut off like the opposite of letterbox. They cut, cut off the sides. And so this half the score would be missing and, and the graphics wouldn't appear right. It right. was really, it was the worst possible solution. And that was completely on Sinclair who, right. who at the time they bought or not bought, but uh, made the deal with DC United were looking into creating their own kind of national or at least multi-regional mm -hmm. sports right. network American, American sports network yeah and they pulled the plug on that the year after they made the deal so they were just right. coasting out the rights and I think they recognized that they could get a lot of viewers and get some ad money for one year if they you know got the option exercised or for a couple years with Rooney on the team and more eyeballs on the right. team but I, I don't think the team considered them a real option I'm and I'm glad for that because they they were bad. the The best thing they did was have Dave and Devin, uh, and and a four time Lindsay on as the crew, and everything else about it was was pretty bad. I mean, I thought the maybe it's the the way people use the term production values. I don't think the production values for watching it in HD at my house uh, were bad at all. I see a ton of MLS games around the league, and I see games that are produced at a lower level. Um, but the experience for people that didn't have it in HD 
it was miserable. And it's not because the people that were present at the stadium did a bad job. It's because it's SD in the fashion that Adam described. There's no group on earth that could turn that into a a pleasant viewing experience. Um, The other thing, I mean, it was also a missed opportunity because WJLA has three sub channels. They have their normal uh, ABC feed. And then they have three sub channels that show like, mash reruns and game shows from the 1980s and i i don't even know what the the last channel is what the dot four is but they all of those channels are available on cable as well um you might have to go looking for them but they're there and they're available at least one of them is available in hd and sinclair chose to keep showing reruns of i love lucy instead of preempting the those for this live content let's at least pay you know i love lucy is a classic uh i love lucy was good television and it's usually never watched it you should it's available somewhere at any time yeah the reason they show it is because the rights fees are preposterously low compared to other shows today that's why it's on this random sub channel and that's why nick at night isn't a thing anymore or or shows newer shows because i mean even anyway here in Richmond, they uh, CW Richmond, which had the rights the the last couple of years, when they would preempt their stuff on their sub channels if they couldn't show it on the main channel over the air, uh, and they would show it on uh, uh, 65.2 or 65.3 uh, when they couldn't show it on the main channel, which was for whatever reason isn't something that the t- the actual main broadcast partner was willing to do. So. Sinclair is in the past now. Flow Sports is the present and and the future. We know it's a the contract could last as long as four years. My hunch it'll be three years with an option the way the the most recent deal with Sinclair was, but I don't have any reporting. I haven't seen anything. That's just my guess. Um, Flow Sports is a streaming service that's available for $150 a year uh, or $30 a month if you pay monthly. Um, and they have very, very... Which, yeah, $30 a month is a lot. $150 a year is not nothing. Uh, and they show mostly, they carry mostly niche sports, um, cheerleading championships, rodeo. Uh, I, I'm not even sure what else. Uh, Women's I think hockey, they do. Uh, country dance, th- West, uh, dan- country western dancing. I think they do have the rights uh, to big, the big, the big Ten. The Big Ten, they, got, they have the Big Ten. They've some Big Ten soccer games, not all. Okay. Um, they have a, the Big they, Ten Network shows many games themselves. So I think they okay. get the games that Big Ten Network does not have time to show because okay. they show them live. And um, the indications are that they are planning an expansion basketball. into soccer. Yeah. And they are launching a vertical called Flow FC because it's not a soccer vertical unless it has FC in the name. Remember that. No. They're moving into soccer, and DC United is the first property that they have acquired, right. essentially. They also, the first- their first one off was uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger's uh, testimonial game in Germany last yes. year. Yeah. When the fire got a random three week vacation in Germany, that was on yes. Flow Sports. Yes. Um, and, but- and, so they're moving to this. It's like I said, a streaming platform none of us had ever heard of before. Pablo's reporting said that they were an option. Uh, Pablo, after the the news was confirmed, 
today as we record this on Monday, uh, Pablo Duggan found that that subscription price is going to be discounted for maybe discounted. I don't think he said, yeah, let's not be definite because I don't think he was uh, saying with 100% certainty either. Right. It it sounds like the team is working to get it discounted, possibly down to $5 a month, um, which was the number in his tweet, I think. We don't know if that's limited to season ticket holders. We don't know if that's if you, you sign up through DC United to do that, um, to get that or, price. Or, or if they will roll out some sort of DC United only plan. Right. Um, uh, it could be any number of things. We, there's a lot we don't know at this point. Yeah, um, which is not the best way to announce a uh, I think kind of that, very different media rights deal to what yeah. fans are used to. I think once it started trickling out um, between Pablo's reports and then Ben's report, um, there is probably a situation where people want to get the ball rolling um, and get out in front of it while they still can, that kind of thing. I think we see that a lot um, covering teams. Uh, It's a similar thing with covering DC United or covering the spirit um, or the national team, all of, you know, that's sort of a, um, a it's it's a pretty normal thing. I think at, at this point, yeah, but there's a way to get in front of it without seeming like you're playing defense and they're obviously playing defense. They don't have pricing set. They didn't have pricing at all to announce, which is a little surprising, um, especially since preseason content is supposed to be one of the the ads, one of the things that Flow Sports is providing. And, and the they, draft is this week. Yeah, the preseason starts in what, two weeks, three weeks? Is when they report to camp about yeah. two weeks. Camp is two weeks, but I mean, you could define the preseason as starting with the draft. Yeah, I mean, however you define it, even if you define it starting with the first friendlies in a month, that's still only a month away. People who like, if this is a move geared toward the hardcore supporters and the people who are willing to pay extra to watch DC United and not get much else of value um, with that subscription, which is what this is right now for most of us um you they're also the ones that are most likely to freak out when you show them just a glimpse of this frankly radical departure from the way things have been done without saying but we we're going to take care of you too we're not just doing this to fleece you we're going to take care of you and so the assumption everyone made is that they're just going to fleece us and, and this might be involved in the overall uh, – it, it seems like there's a lot of stuff that's going to be rolled out this year that's going to be very much last minute. You know, Loudoun United still doesn't have a announced coach or staff for the most part outside of a few front office figures. Um, we don't know exactly when their stadium is going to open, so we don't know exactly when – their schedule shifts from playing games at Audi field to playing games uh, out in Leesburg. So um, there's a lot of stuff going on with DC United right now that, that um, it all feels like, I feel like a lot of stuff is going to happen all at once. Uh, That might just be um, worrying about covering it for the site because these things usually come in uh, a blizzard rather than one at a time. So, you know, it could be the kind of things where, um, you know, d- TV details come out the same day as Luciano Costa's contract is resolved came in the same day as someone is signed and comes out the same day as Loudon announces something as well. So 
Um, there is a ton going on behind the scenes, but unfortunately right now we have more, I think more questions than answers on a lot of fronts with, with DC United. Well, one thing we do know is where and when to watch DC United, as well as how to watch DC United, I guess, with Flow Sports. The MLS schedule dropped today. DC United will open and close the season at home. They'll play 13 times on national TV, which is a lot. I think it's top five in the league, um, which I guess limits the number of games that you're going to have to pay to to stream online. And uh United will also take most of June off for the Gold Cup and, you know, maybe a friendly or three that they built into the season ticket package. Um, ben, how do you feel about uh, in-season friendlies? <laughs> they are terrible. They're awful. If they're, and you if know they're I part of a, if they do schedule them inside a 25 day long break, I think I can live with it. Having that break there makes the friendlies much more palatable especially if they get you know somebody big and i can sell off ha, ha, my ha, season ha, tickets ha, to the game ha. you think i could get somebody big i mean they i did see dc united host real madrid one time um and ac milan for that matter and i think they and could get some and we didn't see them host fulham because it was in florida yeah that was Maybe it was in Florida, or maybe it was a collective fever dream. We'll, we'll I'm, never I'm know pretty sure that game was hosted in the Twilight Zone. I mean, it's probably... Uh, one of those has to be Swansea City, right? I mean, it, it wouldn't shock me if it were the Levy and Kaplan ownership's other team, which would be Swansea, and then also it wouldn't shock me if we saw Everton come over as well. Yeah. Or Man um, United, even like I w- none of those three would surprise me. Any anybody with a, a Rooney connection or a right. I mean, Man, Man United that would be a gigantic deal for you know the casual fan. Um, mm-hmm. They might not recognize the name Everton all that much, but um, a Man United friendly that would be kind of a, a wild occasion. Um, right. And my my whole ahead, original post was just about how if you're not going to get people the level of man united or real madrid then don't bother like even everton like we all know who everton is and most people listening to this podcast know who everton is but that's not going to move the needle in the general soccer public but a man united would so I, i think everton moves the needle enough in as far as they have their own fan club in dc there are enough people on the East Coast who would come in to to see that, I mean, but yeah, they would the be coming would to be see pretty, Everton. Pretty much full. Yeah, the place would be full, but it'd be a lot of people there to see Everton. Just like with Man United, it'd be a bunch of people there just to like see with all of these Man because United. yeah, that's the you, point of the friendly, right? Right, and, and a lot of them are more. played on midweek uh, days, which means that you already have some people that can't make it out. And then if you're an actual fan of DC United, if that's your preferred team you know, it's not a competitive game. So is it actually that vital to show up for? Um, yeah. I personally, I prefer the farcical friendly. So I'm, I'm in favor of like Portsmouth coming back and playing in DC United uniforms because they lost theirs. Um, yep. things like that. that. Uh, that's more my speed. Cause at least then you've got something to talk about. Um, whereas the international friendly, it's been done to death. Yeah. I don't love them. Um, I like I said, 
though. There's a 25 day gap for for the Gold Cup there. Maybe we'll see a, a, a major team from Latin America come up like Copa Libertadores finalists, uh, Boca Junior, who also have a connection to Luciano Acosta. Well, um, maybe there will be some U.S. Open Cup stuff there. That'd be nice if we kept proceeding yeah, there, in the uh, U.S. Open Cup. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, there were what two Open Cup games in that same time frame this past year. So it would make sense as far as the norms of um, when those games tend to happen. Yeah, speaking of a media rights deal that could be improved, by the way, the Open Cup. What you don't enjoy uh, U.S. soccer throwing together at the last second uh, one stream per round? Are, are we sure with a fixed camera? No, no, I don't. Are we sure those still aren't on Gold TV? Well, Gold TV also may or may not exist. So, yeah, exactly. That's what Gold TV is is forever broadcasting the the friendly in Jacksonville, just on a loop forever. And also, and also, uh, U.S. men's national team qualifiers in Central America. But 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 it's like it's a Schrodinger's Gold TV. Like you don't know if it's there or not. Uh, It's 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 theoretical still. Um, And the the act of observing it. Right, the the act of observing it might turn that broadcast into a dead cat. You don't know. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the rest of the schedule, not just that gap in June. Uh, Jason, what what jumped out to you? What are you looking at at this schedule? Uh, I think there's a stretch from May 29th to uh, July 12th, where DC it it involves this gap of. Uh, the gold gold cup slash whatever gap. Um, but in that span of time, DC has six games. Five of them are at home. All five of those games are against teams that missed the playoffs this last year. Four of them are against teams that missed the playoffs in the East this past year. I think if DC can get 13 uh, points uh, or maybe more out of that stretch, which they should be able to do. First of all, I think if they do that, they're probably going to the playoffs. Um, I think it's late enough in the season. I look at the early part of the schedule and I think they should be in a, it. You know, the team that we saw last year should be in a good enough spot where when this set of games comes around, they should be using this to create a big gap between them and the red line. Um, and I think this is going to be the litmus test. Um, I think a team that wants to be a contender, which DC United has said they want to be, um, Ben Olsen himself said that, from here on out, they can't be satisfied with what happened last year, which was just getting into the playoffs and playing one game and getting knocked out. Um, a team that's a contender rolls through that stretch. That's a huge momentum boost for them. A team that isn't a contender maybe comes through that and has a random loss to San Jose or, or the Revs or whoever. Um, so I think we're going to learn a lot about whether this team is actually taking a step further as a group uh, or if they're the same as we thought they were last year, or if they've even got worse, we'll find out a lot um, in that stretch from, from the end of May into mid July. Ben, how about you? It's, it's interesting. I'm uh, concerned a little bit, but there are a couple of, I mean, there are always these stretches where, uh, there's a lot of compacted games. Uh, I know in May there's a, uh, I think it's a Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday stretch, which is 
uh, pretty intense. There's another one like that uh, a little earlier in the year. Um, since the schedule is compacted this year because there is that uh, decision day instead of being at the end of October is now at the beginning of October and and MLS Cup instead of being in December is now in uh, mid-November. Uh, they're doing a lot of different things with the schedule this year and it is more compacted there are less saturday games i feel like than ever this year there are a lot of sunday games uh part of which is national broadcasting but there's also a lot of uh there's more friday games there's thursday games there's wednesday games there's tuesday games it's yeah united actually has more all over united actually has more sunday games than saturday games this year uh at least at home i should say which is kind of wild yeah Exactly. I mean, it's, it, they finish it, it, the season with four straight Sunday games. They start the season with two out of or three out of four Sunday games. Um, so they dive right into that and they don't really let up for the rest of the year. Yeah, uh, I want to look at that first part of the season home against Atlanta at NYCFC home against RSL. RSL, you never know which team of theirs is going to show up. And I guess the same is true for NYCFC didn't finish the year well, but the, those are all playoff teams that you're, you're starting the season against before you go away to Orlando where United uh, opened the season last year with a, a pretty disappointing draw against a 10 man Orlando. And then you get LAFC at home on Fox national broadcast Fox. Um, it, to, to start the month of April, it United might be in a little bit of a hole at the beginning of the year if they don't come out really strong, or they could be looking really, really good. See, yeah, I when I looked at this early part of the schedule, I thought it was actually pretty, uh, pretty manageable. Um, this is Dome Torrance NYCFC, which means yeah. a not good version of them. Also, Tavi V is gone. Uh, they don't appear to have any yeah, idea how point. to solve that. Um, they play them twice before the end of April. Uh, at Colorado, the the elevation is a worry. The Rapids themselves are not really. Um, you know, Atlanta is the champions. They are very good, but they've come to D.C. and lost to good and bad versions of D.C. United. Um, RSL isn't anything special. Uh, Montreal, the last time they came to town, they surely wish they hadn't even bothered showing up. Um, I, I mean... Then you get new look Columbus, you know twice in three weeks after that. Right. Um, um, yeah, and who knows what Caleb Porter is going to do with them. Right. And, and, you know, United, if United doesn't make some big, if this is a sort of a flat off season, um, yeah. you know, if Lucas Rodriguez is the only big move, then yeah, you know, my opinion of this might be more towards what Adam said before about possibly ending up in a hole without a good start. Um, but right now, assuming this, this uh, sort of signings that this club says they want to aspire to uh, the ambition that they talked about, then this opening part of the schedule to me is not intimidating in the least. Um, but you know, you have to do the work first before you can then jump in and, and expect to beat Atlanta at home or go to NYCFC to a, a venue that DC has never done very well at and do something there. So, um, it could, you know, it could go a bunch of different ways. I feel confident right now, but you know, Ask me, ask me in a month or so how I'm feeling about it. Yeah, it's an interesting schedule because especially if United want to compete for the Shield or for the Cup, which MLSsoccer.com and 
sometime DC United basher Matt Doyle has picked DC United to win MLS Cup next year. Um, if they want to be on track for those kind of accolades, which they should, that's where this team is now. They should be competing for for silverware. Um, they they have to come out of the gate flying mm-hmm. and. You know, against Atlanta, that might be tough. But then, like you said, Dama Torrance, NYCFC, uh, even at the the postage stamp that is Yankee Stadium. And then you get Orlando City, who's bad and has always been bad. You have Montreal, who aren't good. You have Minnesota in that early part as well, before you get to Sporting Kansas City in mid-May. And that's the next really big, tough home game potentially. Yeah, of the teams we expect to be re- really really good where we don't really have any any reason to be cautious about saying that i mean dc yeah, lafc be, is on that it'll list be, too yeah, it'll be mid-may and dc will have played 12 games and they'll have three against teams that i think are upper echelon if and that's including lafc which i think are the outer edge of that consideration um and the, it would be all three of those games would be at home as well um, mm-hmm. against Atlanta, against LAFC and against Kansas city. So, um, it's, it's the, I guess, I guess the way I would look at it is that the path is there for DC to be really high in the standings early rather than having to make up ground, which, um, in years past when Ben Olson's teams have started the year well, and not just middling, but actually well, uh, they've always been up near the top. The two years they finished, uh, third in the supporter shield race involved good starts to the year. They're the only two truly good starts uh, since Olsen has taken over. Um, those are the two seasons that they did the best. And it started in March. It didn't, it wasn't like they got hot at some point. They just, they were good and consistent and maybe not pretty at times, but they were good at winning games. And this, this schedule, I think opens the door for that. Yeah. We went, yeah. The, when I say in a hole, I think that mm. that was the baseline I was I was judging against. Not not last year where they were really really in a hole and made this right. dramatic climb out of it. Um, they no matter what happens, if they're not above the red line after twelve games, there's a big problem. <laughs> yeah, la- last year you could at least understand being below the red line at that point. Yeah, uh, if they're in that situation uh, after twelve games this year, then something's gone wrong because uh, that also means they they'll have played more home games than road games by. I think it's by two. Yeah. yeah set seven home and five away by the situation that point. was last year. Yeah. They'll be in trouble if they're not in the playoffs at that point. That would mean we're on route to a fairly disappointing season. I would imagine. So hopefully, you know, we are leading the supporter shield race and blowing teams away at home and on the road. Why not? Let's just, let's just go for broke. Well, if you're going to win, win all the, supporter the games, shield, you have to go to someone's place and crush them. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah, it sounds fun. Let's do that early in the year. Let's do it late in the year at Red Bull Arena. Let's do it everywhere. Um, there's a Dr. Seuss rhyme you can make about crushing people in their homes, I'm sure. Um, send, us, send us your Dr. Seuss rhyme about crushing people in their homes. Please, please do that. I've never wanted listeners to send me something more than that. Uh, last thing before we bring on Travis Clark, Wayne Rooney was um, arrested at detained. Dulles, detained. Cited at Dulles International Airport last month. He was returning to the U.S. from Saudi Arabia uh, on a private plane. Apparently, according to sources, he took uh, 
an Ambien or some other sleeping pill and had a few drinks, like three drinks on the flight. And when he got off at Dulles, he was, the quote, I think, was disorientated, which is how you know the quote came from a British person. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he he tried walking through a door he was not allowed to walk through and was uh, otherwise obviously uh, affected and was detained until he sobered up and uh, a, a person was able to come collect him at the the Loudoun County Sheriff's Office or wherever it was he was being held. Um, he, in a, in a statement, he praised everyone involved for the way he was treated. He was not in any way uh, blaming anyone other than himself. And DC United said they're going to handle it internally. Um, this made, you know, headlines in the soccer world, especially in England, where they love tearing down soccer players. Um, and they love tearing down Wayne Rooney for this kind of anything involving alcohol. Um, and, and that's a reputation he's earned over the years. Um, that, it's that, a nothing that, bur- it's, it's a nothing burger and it's indicative of why people leave uh the Premier League and leave English soccer. I, uh, it's nothing. Yeah, he, he it, it's, it's, ba- to... it's bad judgment but it's it's nothing in reality. It's nothing. Yeah, I mean, I I if you fly around the world a lot and have any kind of anxiety, I completely understand taking a sleeping pill on a long flight. I have friends who do that. I have friends who do that and who have mixed a sleeping pill with uh, some alcohol on a long flight. And like I said, at the the top of the show, this is the kind of thing that if it happened to a friend of yours, you would make fun of them and laugh about it. And that that's where I come down on this. Um, and, and actually I think that's where a lot of DC United fans come down on it. I know on, on Facebook, a lot of the, the supporters were basically saying, Hey, he's just like us. Um, and that that's where this seems to be. I, yep. I don't have a lot to add beyond that. That's not the the only thing I would add is my only time taking a sleeping pill. Uh, nothing happened. I, and this was without any alcohol. I just took it because I was having a stretch of insomnia. Nothing happened for a while. And then uh, I got up to leave my chair and like lay down in bed. Uh, and everything felt like it was in slow motion. And I was very alarmed at that point. Uh, it did make me go to sleep. Uh, but I was extremely alarmed at what had happened to me. I felt like someone had given me legitimate hard drugs rather than uh, like, oh, this is just a sleeping pill. It's not a big deal. Um, so, yeah, uh, watch out for sleeping pills, I guess, is the lesson of that. And on that note, we will call it a segment. Stick around. We'll be right back with Travis Clark. This is Filibuster. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages or or do something else oh, nefarious... In a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. 
It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Uh, the MLS Super D Duper Draft is coming up later this week, as we talked about at the top of the show. That I don't know if we actually mentioned that that's why Jason is flying to Chicago in January, but it is. We didn't. We had to tell people about uh, foods or whatever it was we said. It's true. Cubes and theories. And I, I don't even Let know. me tell you about cubes. I can no, go back to cubes. No, Benjamin, stop. <laughs> I had to break out my dad voice for a second. Don't make me do that. Um, the MLS draft is happening in Chicago th- this week. Um, meanwhile, preseason is just around the corner. DC United has their eye on a f- reportedly on at least a couple potential homegrown signings. And every year around this time, we like to have our good friend, Travis Clark, the director of content at topdrawersoccer.com. We like to invite him on to to talk about prospects and DC United's young players. And we've done exactly that right now. Travis, welcome back to Filibuster. Hey guys, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Thanks for it thanks for coming on. I I remember six, seven years ago when we started the show and and had you on originally, you were one of our first guests, and I think we were one of the first podcast guest spots you'd you'd done. And that's no longer the case, not even today. No, today, this is my fourth and final podcast of the day that I'm recording. So um, hopefully I can say something new to your audience. Although one was an NWSL po- draft podcast. So um, that one's a little bit easier to, um, I guess, how, how, should we, how should I say it to, to not repeat myself? Yeah. I, Unless you want to ask me about the Washington spirit, which in case I... I mean, I, I, I kind of I do, repeat. but I'd, I'd prefer not to cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry, uh, I went on a tangent. You, no, you know our tradition. Do. You know our tradition here. What are you drinking? I am not currently drinking. I'm sorry. No, you don't have anything to apologize for. If you're drinking espresso, I would understand it. Um, you've had a very long day. It sounds like. Oh no! I'm also trying to keep apologize to the listeners. I'm trying not to wake up people in my house too. As you can, I'm sure some of you on the call are probably trying to do the same thing, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe everyone's kids are awake or spouses no, or what have you. My, so. No, I'm, I'm yeah. literally next door to my sleeping two-year-old daughter and hoping with every word that I don't wake her up. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, my kids sleep pretty well. It's my wife. I don't want to wake up because she, she gets up early to teach. Anyway, I'm, I'm talking here about nonsense. Sorry. <laughs> you're, as Jason said before we started recording, you're in exactly the right headspace for filibuster. Perfect. I want to start homegrown. off asking about homegrowns. Donovan Pine seems to be the the big shiny object for for DC United this offseason in the homegrown space. Literally, though, yeah, very at least literally very big. Um, 
tell tell us about his game. He he obviously won a national championship playing center back for Maryland this year. Um, Go Terps. What, what what would he bring to DC United, and do you think he could play with the first team this year? I think when you consider the fact that they have two center backs right now, I believe two healthy ones. That is, then it's almost a shoe in. He's six foot five, moves well. Uh, you know, Jason can back me up here, having probably watched him more in 2018 than I did just because he probably watched every single Maryland Turbans game. But um, he, he's had a, he's kind of an interesting, uh, I don't want to say litmus test, but kind of a perfect example of college soccer being helpful for a player's development. Because I saw, I remember seeing him before going to college and uh, I, I probably have said this analogy somewhere before, but he looked a little bit like a deer playing soccer because his like long, awkward looking legs, but uh, he's much more graceful, much more composed now. And, uh, I think that, you know, because DC is launching a USL team this year, he's a perfect building block um, because you can start him as your center center back for the USL team. That's where he's getting his reps right away. And then he can, uh, you know, Riant and uh, Steve Birnbaum are your two, I assume the two starting center backs. Feel free to jump in and correct me if I'm wrong, but he'd be a perfect sort of third option if the team doesn't decide to go out and get someone i think you know it would probably serve them well to to look for some help in that spot but uh, i think pines could come in and do a job and i'm probably getting way ahead of myself here but he's a he's a if we want to throw like maybe a rookie of the year guy you could throw that at him just because of the sort of perfect storm of ability uh potentially having an opportunity and i i think somebody that i rate could do a job. So it was interesting. I did not know that apparently he has access or a pass to a British passport. So that could be potentially troublesome and would certainly require United to up whatever offer they were planning on or have extended to him already. I wonder if, if their knowledge about that path to a passport is part of the reason they, they let Ian Harks go uh, this year, um, knowing that they would want to free up some homegrown budget. I'm, I'm not totally clear on how, homegrown signings work. I know there's some kind of budget for it. Um, and Ian Harks was obviously a homegrown player as well. I wonder if that had something to do with it, trying to make sure that their homegrown resources were available for, for him or for, for other potential homegrowns as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I still like Ian Harks as a player and hope that he does well somewhere, but I still can't see the logic in letting him go even as good as, you know, even with, the logjam in central midfield and the fact that they spun it as trying to do him a solid more or less, but um, you know, it is professional soccer. So I guess you got to earn your living, right. Or whatever. I don't yeah, know what I'm here. He, he needs to play. He, I think he wanted to go somewhere where he would play. Um, I saw it reported that he, that DC United maintained his MLS rights, but there are apparently, I think Steve Goff said today, there were three clubs in Scotland that were interested in him. So uh, mm. hopefully he gets to play and he has that UK passport. So, uh, he could go to Dundee United and, you know, play for them and that would be good. Good. Never Scotland. <laughs> yeah. That would be a, a team that starts with a D and ends with the United. So it'd be almost like DC United. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like you, Travis Clark. <laughs> well, I'm just um, here. I'm, I got up at five thirty today. So, you know, we, we good. That's my um, usual yeah, the other time. Player, the other player I'll introduce because I saw him linked and you'll probably ask me about him, but Antonio Bustamante, the... I was going to ask you about him because he's, he's from my alma mater and 
it's so rare mm. that William and Mary actually Try has Brian. anyone worth worth talking about in, uh, in in MLS circles. So yeah, he's he's very much more of the um, USL roster filler type because he's the classic case of a you know attacking midfielder dude that can make stuff happen in college soccer. He was the CAA Player of the Year in 2017. I think he scored 14 goals and had five assists off the top of my head. Uh, he's a pretty interesting player, but he's also the not quite probably good enough to be an impact number 10 in MLS. So you bring him into your USL team, you have a pretty experienced 21, 22-year-old that has proved himself at a pretty decent standard, and he can lead that team. I think he could, uh, you know, ML, you know, DC United, if there's one spot, they're not looking for options at central midfield. So that's a very long, he has a much longer path in Pines to getting any kind of first team minutes. But if I think hiring a coach would probably be a good start because then you can get an idea yeah. of how, you know, you know, if Bustamante is brought in to play in a four four two. I don't necessarily think that would suit him. Maybe a diamond would be okay, but um, he's a guy that probably requires a little more help centrally to defend. I think if he can defend, he can become a bit more of an intriguing box to box eight, but um, there's one other name to throw out, a guy that I like at Duke, shockingly enough, uh, Brandon Williamson, the center midfielder. He'll be a senior in the fall, but I would expect him to stay in school because it doesn't, you know, unless he really wants to chase that USL dream, he probably finishes out his career at Duke. But he's a pretty ball-secure central midfielder, can make stuff happen with his passing, a little bit dynamic with on his dribble. So. Um, in terms of college homegrown players, even though you didn't ask me about them, that's one other name to throw out there. Do you think Bustamante could play wide at all, or do you think his his he's solidly a central midfielder uh, at the USL or MLS level? I mean, you could you tr- always try him in the USL and see how it does. I, I wouldn't say I've, I I wouldn't necessarily like I wouldn't bank put any money on it or say oh yeah he definitely could, but. You never know. Like he'd definitely be more of a pinched-in winger type. Like again, depends how you're playing. So uh, let's take four-one-four-one of DC United, maybe. Like, but I don't know how he would impact the game. How he could defend. Those are the the kinds of questions that those attack-minded center mids in MLS, always, or sorry, in college soccer, always face when they're making that transition to the next level. Right. And then my other question is about another uh, attacker coming from downstate Virginia. Uh, Siad Haji seems to, is a member of Generation Adidas, seems to be getting uh, a potential buzz as a potential number one pick in the MLS Super Draft. What does the, uh, the, the VCU player uh, bring to a uh, potential MLS team? Yeah, he's a guy that I think has the highest upside amongst the GA class. He's one or two of like potential players that I could see maybe having a national, like I'm, I'm certainly throwing in a lot of qualifiers because I would never say, Oh man, definitely going to get a lot of college players making it the national team. But he's a guy who has that kind of ceiling and you don't see it a lot in college soccer. Uh, he, the comparison I'm throwing at people, he's a little bit like Darlington Nagby. What, with a clear ability to influence the game in the final third. So, you know, Nagby settle in is mostly like a professional ball retainer, like as a, like an eight or six, whatever you want to call him at Atlanta. I think you can play Haji a little bit up the field, but 
you know, he, he faces all of the same, can he do this at the MLS level questions, right? Like from what, you know, defending from the wide areas, do the things that he do in college, does it develop, does it adapt and then become something he can do, whether it's his passing range or, uh, you know, he's not really a one v one dribbler, but he can be player sometimes when he takes them on. So I think that there's a lot of upside and just a little bit of a special, unique talent that you don't see in college very often. And that I think helps him stand out a lot. So it remains to be seen what exactly that means for his MLS career. But I think in the right spot, he could definitely have a lot of impact at even the national, maybe not a lot of impact, but some kind of an impact at the national team level. Uh Travis, since we've, we've just talked about one of the Generation Adidas players, um, out of the rest of the group, uh, J.J. Williams, John Nelson, uh, I don't know if it's Tejan or if it's Silent J. Uh, Buchanan, um, Griffin Dorsey, Dane St. Clair, um, and Frankie Amaya. Out of that group, is there anyone else that, that in your mind, maybe could hit the heights that um, you've got, or that you think Haji could also hit? Well... <laughs> Kind of take a shot at Canada for a second and say, well, Dane St. Clair is Canadian, so he could definitely <laughs> play for the Canadian national. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and Jason, you can expand on this a little bit, but I think I think I really ranked him not as high as I probably should have, but I think he's a pretty high ceiling goalkeeper in that if he has consistency and continues to develop and flourish, he has all the makeup and tools to play at that level. And I, I'm really bad at evaluating goalkeepers, but St. Clarity seems almost like the safest GA pick, as weird as it is to sound, because if there's one thing North American teams know how to do, it's not to mess up goalkeepers too badly. So I think from that perspective, he kind of jumps out to me. And the other ones have such, have massive sort of wild cards about them. You know, Frankie Maya is five foot four. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's a Mexican American like kid that I'm just like, what's an MLS team going to do to this kid? And I'm scared for him. So. JJ uh, Williams is a six foot four, two hundred pound striker who played basketball in high school. Like he's got some attacking upside, but he played eighteen hundred minutes in twenty eighteen, which eclipsed all of freshman and sophomore year combined. Like, and that's not a knock on the kid. It's just sort of like, like I don't necessarily blame him for jumping at the GH chance, right? Like he he cashed out and good for him. I think John Nelson is probably a little bit in the St. Clair category where he he doesn't have the high ceiling, but as high of a ceiling, but um, you know, he's a left back, and that's like you know an oasis in the middle of a, a desert. So teams will jump at that, and I think he can do a job. So uh, you, I, I do think it's a better GA class than it has been in the past couple of years. But I'm I'll probably look back in 2021 and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe they signed all those kids. I, even though I'm like looking at the 2016 class, and it's like I think five or six out of the eight are already out of the league, and only yeah. one because they transferred to another country, uh, another team so mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's not been the greatest of uh endeavors for the league over the past couple of seasons yeah i, I guess with, with saint Clair, um my thought on him is that i think he's it's like a high ceiling and low floor um like i, I have no idea how he's going to turn out because even though maryland itself w- was very very good at not giving up any goals they, they literally didn't give up a goal in their tournament run but I thought a lot of that was just, I mean, they weren't even giving up chances. Um, mm. the, the best save he had to make in the entire tournament happened to be a deflection off of a Maryland player making a tackle. 
Um, it wasn't even a shot on goal attempt. So um, I don't know how much of that was really on him. And there's a certain tendency mm-hmm. for him to be a little shaky, uh, especially coming for crosses or um, when he comes off of his line. So, you know, if someone can get that part of his game smoothed out, then they've probably got a pretty good goalkeeper on their hands. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I guess it depends on how good the goalkeeper coach, uh, wherever mm-hmm. he ends up and at. It, it depends on how much willing, how willing uh, St. Clair is to improve. Cause like you said, mm-hmm. he's a physical He's a physical specimen. I've seen him make, uh, I don't remember. It wasn't last season. You probably remember this game, Jason, when they drew Indiana zero zero. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it was 2017 and he pulled off like four or five, like, yeah incredible saves like saves you rarely ever see i'm like I'm, I'm using a little bit of hyperbole but not really like saves you hardly ever see in a college soccer game and part of that is you know college soccer goalkeepers can be bad but part of that's also how good he was mm-hmm. on the night so you know if he can be like i think it's the mind game for goalkeepers and st Clair certainly has variables but so do all the other so do all these other players and like i said it's <laughs> the league in North America in itself is it ruins goalkeepers less often than they, than they do other players. So um, I know that's a glass half empty take, but that's what right. I'm here for. Uh, we wouldn't, we wouldn't expect anything less. Um, <laughs> when you, when you look at this pool overall, um, what are maybe the one or two positions you think are most likely to end up with multiple players actually making a difference this or in the coming years, I should say. <laughs> It's a good, it's a good, good to throw all those caveats in, right? <laughs> um, I think that you could have a few outside back stick. Um, the Red Bulls Academy kid they didn't sign, Marcelo Borges, isn't really a Red Bulls type player, but he's a good soccer player. Uh, Logan Gadula is, oh, did I say, yes, that's his name. Logan Gadula, right back from Wake Forest. He has the athletic ability that should get him there, thereabouts, and then. He can also play a little bit too. So if like a Jacob Nerwinski type is going in the first 10 picks, then um, he's somebody that I think, you know, he cleans it up defensively. He does all right. Center back, there's some inter- interesting players, but they're good defenders, but a lot of them are just, uh, you never know how much, how how players can handle the pressure with, when they have possession and if teams are looking to build or not in MLS, then you know, there's a number of names. Uh, Jacob Hauser Ramsey is a Seattle Sounders Academy kid that's also in the draft. Alex Comcia from North Carolina, Kamal Miller, Syracuse. I think there's And but and both of those guys are so, Canadians that uh are gonna be domestic, if I'm if I read that correctly, right? Yes. They, yeah, so they they've ruled that the the players are uh yeah. the Canadian players will so I think you're definitely because MLS teams aren't also not pumping as much money into uh, defend defensive positions, you know, mm-hmm. all the money goes to the attackers, right? So for the most part, obviously there are exceptions, but you know, that, that tends to open up chances for college kids to stick a little bit more than guys that are maybe wide midfielders or central midfielders. And, uh, you know, there's some, there's some holding midfielders like Brad Dunwell at Wake Forest, but I saw his physical testing scores and that'll probably rule him out of the first round because, for half the teams, at least it's probably, that's all they look at. And then maybe chop their, maybe that's a little bit too cynical, but probably not too far. How frustrating Um, is it? um, I I hate to jump in, but how frustrating is it for you when you get the sense that teams come to the combine and that's the first time they've really looked at anybody? 
Uh, you know, I, I used to let it bother me, but then I just decided that um, they really need to sort of retool this initiative anyway and stop calling it the super draft. Maybe just do a streamed event somewhere and not just like build it as this opportunity for kids when the bulk of the kids won't get an oper- like a genuine shake at it. So mm-hmm. um, I can, sh- I can, I can, you know, you look at Atlanta's team too, right? They won MLS Cup because not because of they drafted Julian Gressel, but because they they hit on enough signings that um, they were able to make it work. And, you know, a big part of it all, too, is, is not because there aren't players in college that are okay. It's that they now have all these homegrown kids. And it's interesting that this mm-hmm. draft features a lot of players that played for MLS academies that they're not interested in signing. So, um, so you know, to jump back to your question, it's not necessarily I'm – not, I'm not going to get too full – I'll still get bothered with it, but I'm going to pretend like I don't care, right? So <laughs> I think that's a good way to leave it. I um, like this late night, Travis. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll make sure to uh, text you in the morning and, or message you in the morning and curse all of you. <laughs> uh, I feel like this just so, got awkward. So, so Travis, one of, the, one of the guys you mentioned, one of the fullbacks you mentioned, uh, Logan Gadula, um, when we're recording this, we haven't run the P ship, but by the time that this recording exists, it'll already be out there. Um, in the SB nation mock draft, that's who we ended up taking. Um, if at the end of the day, if that's what DC United gets from the draft, if they stay at 14 and don't make any trades or anything, which they probably will because they always make draft trades. It seems like, um, how would you rate their, uh, their draft overall? Cause that, that, that right now is the only pick they have is that number 14. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's probably a solid B plus, A minus territory. I think that if I'm, if I'm looking at the draft, I think, and I'm looking at DC United's roster and I, you can look at it now through the lens of you have a USL team. So if a kid isn't ready or I'm not willing to play him right away, you have somewhere where he can get minutes, he can stay sharp and he's catching up to the little bit of a faster game somewhere else. So I think that would be a good pick. I think. Uh, Ford will be intriguing for them because you, you know, you have Wayne Rooney, so you're not going to be looking to bring in anyone in particular. Like you're not, you're like, you're in, you're in a little bit of an awkward place, right? If you're DC, because you have Wayne Rooney, but you don't really have anyone else that can even come close to playing a number nine, if I'm not mistaken. So the, the, um, the, not the backup be... forward is, is burn bomb. <laughs> right. So like, <laughs> So, you know, let's say Santiago Patino is like, I would look for a guy like the number nine types that, you know, they're not going to necessarily be flashy, but they're not going to, they're going to be ha- be happy getting some USL minutes to start playing behind Rooney and hopefully getting a little better and spelling him. You know, I think Patino might be a decent shout because he's a bit bigger and you could throw him up there as a plan B and drop Rooney deeper in the midfield. So um, you know, not that he's going to set the world on fire and maybe he won't be there, but uh, he's at least capable. The Denver Ford might be there. He's a, he's a huge wild card for me because, you know, I don't know how good he is. He's an international player. He's from, from Brazil and he carries the dreaded, which I always thought that would be a good thing, but he signed a contract with MLS before it. And yeah. that comes with a number that like Steve Runebaum did for the, for as an example, right? And supposedly it doesn't count against your cap, but who the heck knows? Because MLS <laughs> and, um, you know, Shin Yashiki is, a, I think he, he's a little bit different. He's not in the bigger classic nine mold, but maybe he's somebody that DC United rolls the dice with and 
says that you're going to be at the U the USL level on loan for a bit, but we will play you when we can. I don't know if you would have the mentality and temperament to want to do that, but you think that a college senior would be happy with the chance to be the backup striker for Wayne Rooney, right? Like, um, I think that makes, I'm, you know, I'm grasping at straws here, but outside back makes a ton of sense. And then um, a forward is probably your better bet. But again, it's like you can grade these drafts, but it's also ultimately fruitless because these teams can go out a few days later and announce signing to a left back or a right back or a forward. Mm -hmm. So it's a, you know, soccer is a completely different beast as I've learned over the years. <laughs> so we've talked about Loudoun United a little bit, uh, the, the USL affiliate for, for DC United now at long last in house. Um, there are a couple of good, I think models that you can base it on. Dave Casper uh, has explicitly referenced Red Bulls too, and their, their whole pipeline setup. Rail Salt Lake keep just keep signing guys out of uh, Rail Monarchs. Um, knowing the talent in this area as well as you do, and and you know uh, more broadly around the country, do you think there's a chance Loudoun United could turn into a a pipeline, a, a factory, kind of like those clubs are? Well, you know, it, it just depends on the commitment from top down within the organization, right? Like, I think that, you know, I don't even know if DC is making their academy free to play yet. And part of me is very, you know, as weird as it is to say this, like, are you going to be able to, if you're moving your academy operations and post high school, like training sessions to Leesburg, I think that's a little bit of a, yeah, you need the, the state of the art facility, but at the end of the day, if you're a lot of the top players in their academy now come from PG County, right? So that's a heck of a trip if these kids are doing traditional school, which is becoming a bigger thing for sort of the elite young American athlete to, to go like, you know, online high school as an example, which is a whole nother conversation. I don't mean to drag us down that route, but um, there's certainly the potential. And if you, get all your ducks in a row and you put some money into it, like some serious cash into it. Um, but I'm, I, I'm in a, with DC United for me, it's always, I'll believe it when I see it in mode. Um, I think that the model they use this year will be interesting, but again, like they're dragging their feet. They don't have a, a coach. They don't have any kind of clear structure there. So it's a little bit like, well, are they just, they're just throwing this stuff out there and it's going to be Casper's thing. And he's running both teams or like, I'm, I'm just curious to see what, I know they have their hot brought in with Dane Murphy. I'm mm -hmm. sure he'll assist in that mm -hmm. capacity as well. You know, so there, there is, you know, admittedly there are things that are being done to take a step, yeah. but it's not just going to like, I don't think you should, DC fans should expect it to pop up overnight. Um, the, the, the process will be interesting because you see a lot of models like the, the Sounders and I guess the Sounders too comes to mind where they, they basically feel a team of like 10 to 12, sign guys to S2 and then a lot of their just rotating in their younger Academy players. So, you know, does DC become more aggressive about recruiting players and hosting them here in this area, or are they really just, I mean, they can double down on the area and probably fill out a USL team with high school kids that might not be very good, but would be get some, get some interesting experience. So uh, I think there's, there's opportunity, but it's a matter of having that vision and running with it and doing it well. So, uh, obviously I'm saying all this and spouting it out and it's much, much easier for me to like, you know, shut it down from a mountaintop than it is to actually pull it off. So 
you know, I want to step back and show some humility here. Yeah, I definitely hope it's more like S2 or Red Bulls 2 and a lot less like uh, the artist formerly known as Orlando City 2, uh, Orlando City B, now that they don't exist anymore. Well, they're coming back. Uh-huh, yeah, they're sure. relaunching this season. Don't uh-huh. call it a comeback. I think the um the TFC art the TF Toronto FC two article in the Athletic was very illuminating in terms of the the fraught road of the USL life and um the it's a lot less glamorous than these kids probably think. Like the kids playing D one soccer are probably living it up a little bit more than the the sixteen year olds playing for TFC. At least that's what it seems like from that article. Maybe I'm off. Well, maybe we'll find out firsthand uh, once Loudoun United has players and is playing games. <laughs> we will definitely find that out sooner. Oh, I guess pretty soon, right? When season launches it's in not, what, yeah, two, it's, two months? It's, yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah, um, it's, it'll be here before we know it. Yeah. Travis, thanks for coming we back on the show. It's always a together. pleasure. Yep. Yeah, anytime. Anytime you need me to come on late, at late hours, I can talk some nonsense <laughs> and hope. Hope that you, you all have me back next year in 2020. No, wait. Uh, yep. Well, that's yeah. weird. Yep. That is weird, right? Next year in 2020, it. which is, it's like the Conan O'Brien sketch in the year 2000, which they kept doing after the year 2000. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you if they're not following you already? Yeah. yeah. So you can obviously read com. Always great to have new readers, new subscribers. We obviously can always use that to because we're a business and I need money. Um, and at Travis M. Clark uh, is me on Twitter. <laughs> find us at blackandredunited.com. We're on Twitter at filibusterdc for the podcast, at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, review, whatever else we're supposed to ask you to do on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly, though, just tell a friend about the show. That's the best way to spread the word. I'm Adam for Jason Ben, thanking Travis one more time. We will talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Do you guys think I should bring a coat to Chicago or will I be good? <laughs> <laughs>